0: Hello and welcome to the Bridge Church podcast. This is our third bonus episode as we go deeper into our sermon series on eschatology. Well, hello, my name is Andrew West. I'm one of the pastors here at the Bridge Church and I am joined by another one of our assistant pastors, Susan Ahn.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And the Reverend Dr. Paul. David Dale. Good to be with you and just call me Paul.
1: And how come Paul gets all his titles?
0: Reverend Susan Un, I should have said that as well. <laughs> um, I was just talking to Paul and Susan before, they're a little bit annoyed at me that they have been given this topic and not some of the other <laughs> topics to come, because today we are reflecting on our sermon a few weeks ago, On Hell and Judgment. And I think it's right that we don't look forward to talking about this. Mm-hmm. I was saying in my, in my sermon a few weeks ago that the only way to talk about hell is with tears. And I think that's true. Mm. It would be weird if we delighted in talking about this topic, hey? So, Susan and Paul, why do we talk about it? Why reflect on this topic at all? Why do we preach on it?
1: I think it's helpful to talk about it because it is a reality. It is actually written in the Bible that this is going to happen. And so as unpleasant as it is to not talk about a reality that is true, um, is in the end unloving. So I think it's really important to talk about it. Um, Paul, was it you that said that Jesus talks about hell more than any other person in the whole Bible? I think I heard it somewhere that that, yeah, Jesus actually talked a lot about hell. Mm, mm. Um, And so I think if we want to get to know Jesus better and want to know his ministry better, we actually have to talk about this.
2: Yeah, so if you read the New Testament, 90% of the time that the word Gehenna or hell is mentioned, it comes from the lips of Jesus himself. Mm. And you're right, Andrew, that when Jesus spoke about hell, uh, his tone was one of compassion. Mm. He wept over Jerusalem. Mm. Uh, He didn't enjoy talking about these concepts of of judgment and hell but if you don't talk about it you're preaching
0: half the gospel
3: Mm.
0: yeah it's funny i know a lot of us got feedback on that sunday where we looked at this topic people had never heard a sermon on hell Mm. and on judgment it was the first one that they'd heard And I felt like it was important to say to to newcomers at our church, and if you're listening to our podcast and it's your first interaction with our church, we don't preach on this every week or talk on this every week. But you both make a great point. It's important for us to talk about. I suppose one of the first reactions we have when we think about hell is, God, this sounds like an overreaction. Why don't you just calm down a little bit? What would you say to someone who says something like that?
1: I think that's intuitively our reaction because we don't really want to believe it. And so I think we would like it to not be true, that it mm. sounds worse than it is. Because if we actually spend time thinking about it, it probably sounds really terrible. But I think what's really important to remember is that our God is not someone that's known to be someone who exaggerates, he's actually the God of truth. Um, and so I think it's really important to hear what he's got to say from the Bible. It's also true that people in the past Um, have exaggerated what was in the Bible and might have been taught that way. When we actually look at the Bible carefully, then we actually see that what is in there should be understood as it is and not let it be distorted by other people who've come along and tried to say it sounds worse than it is or it's much worse than it is.
2: I think if we understand that God is holy, and if we underplay His holiness, then the whole concept of judgment and hell seems over-exaggerated. I think that we, we underplay his holiness and we settle for less than holy. Mm. And so we don't grasp that actually it's extraordinary that he should welcome sinners like us. And we all deserve hell. And so that is my take on it, that it's only over-exaggerated if you have an over, over-escalated view of yourself and you're worthy of heaven because all of us are actually worthy
0: of hell, mm. and that magnifies how glorious the Lord Jesus Christ and his grace and his mercy He really is. This is a quote from J.C. Ryle. He said, Disbelieve hell, and you unscrew, unsettle, and unpin everything in Scripture. You may as well throw your whole Bible away at once. What do you think about that? What happens to the Christian gospel if we just threw away hell? Would it work?
1: No, I don't think it does. If you take away judgment and hell, you take away one of the key aspects of God's character that we love, which is he's a God of justice. Uh, We love that he is just when it doesn't involve us. (laughs) When we look at other people's sinfulness, when we look at how fallen this world is, when we see terrible things happening in the world, we long for justice and we take ourselves out of it. But if you take away God's judgment and justice, um, you're left with God who is just lovey-dovey, and um, lets us get away with anything and everything. And you also take away from the fact that Jesus died on the cross, because if you take away judgment, where Jesus actually took our judgment for us, we're left with the question, hang on, if there is no hell, if there is no justice, why did then Jesus die on the cross?
0: Right.
2: Totally agree. I think think the concept of God's justice uh, is on every page of Scripture and when you grasp that he is just and justice will be done it brings such comfort when we've been wronged mm. but then we put ourselves in there and say actually we, we deserve nothing if we ask for justice then we we deserve hell and that's when the gospel
0: of grace just shines even brighter mm. Mm. let's dig a bit deeper into some of the theological understanding of hell first question is did jesus go to hell How do we understand what Jesus actually experienced for us? What do you think, Paul? Yeah, There's that line in the Creed that he descended into hell. Mm.
2: And so the question is, did he descend into the the physical place called hell or did he experience hell for us? And I would say the latter, that at the cross, when he experienced the wrath of his father for the first time in all eternity, Mm. he was experiencing what those in hell experience, which is the pouring out of God's rightful, holy, just wrath. So Jesus experienced that. that He didn't deserve that, but he experienced it on our behalf. So he was experiencing the hell that we deserve
0: so that we can experience the heaven that we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And you see that in the Garden of Gethsemane, don't you? Where Jesus is is so anxious and about the experience of going to the cross and he says... God, if it's your will, would you take this cup? He's talking about the cup of God's wrath. Would you take this cup from me? Yet not my will, but yours be done. Mm. He knows that he's about to experience all that wrath Mm. at the cross. Which he never has experienced
2: before in his entire life. Mm. Yeah. He's never experienced anything but the love of his Father.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And I think that's what's beautiful, you know, Andrew, as you mentioned his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew that and he still did it. For us, you know, how much does he love us? Jesus, in his perfect knowledge, knew what it was going to be like and he still did it anyway for us.
0: Hallelujah. Mm. So we often get this idea of hell, that it's run by the devil. You know, he's standing there looking out in charge with his giant pitchfork and huge horns on his head. Is that how we should think about hell? Is it run by the devil? Is God there?
1: I think we like to think that the devil is actually much more powerful than he really is. The way that we portray the devil in the media and if you read comic books and anything like that, it's always portrayed as this titanic struggle between good and evil. And evil just seems to be winning. And then at the last minute, just by a smidgen, 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 good seems to win. Whereas actually that's not the Bible's portrayal of good God and evil Satan. It's actually an uneven fight. God is so much more powerful mm. than Satan. And so I think to give that realm to Satan in that way, I don't know if it's that helpful. But I'm going to actually pass the rest of the question off to Paul because Paul's done some more <laughs> thinking about hell than I have. Paul's actually written a, a thesis about this when he was studying. So
2: Yeah. So there's a there's a theological response which is if God is omnipresent Mm. there cannot be anywhere that God is not. Mm. And so, of course, he must be in hell. Mm. Otherwise, he can't be omnipresent. Uh, There's an emotional response that you desire hell to be the place where God is not, because emotionally that concept of God being present in a place which is so horrific, Mm. it unsettles you emotionally. And, of course we all know people who as yet don't know christ and so the thought of that is so horrific but the scriptures are very clear that god is present in hell i mean even just at one verse from revelation 14 which i will will read revelation 14 verse 10 uh, they will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamb Mm -hmm. there's no other where to read that scripture, but God as the Lamb, Jesus, is, is there, pouring out his wrath.
0: What then do you do with a text like 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8? He'll punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might.
2: I think that verse is talking about being shut out from that loving relationship. It's a similar concept of the prodigal son uh, who... Same word is used there, the prodigal son, when he's distant from his father, or he's away from his father, but he's still away from relationally. Mm-hmm. He's still a son, and he'll always be a son. It's that kind of concept. He doesn't, hasn't ceased to exist. And I think what Paul is doing in 2 Thessalonians, he's drawing together these different metaphors in that one verse of, of separation and destruction uh, and punishment, all in one verse.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I suppose... It is one that we need to address, and it was hard to address on Sunday when we preached. The question is, what about judgment for those who haven't yet heard the gospel?
1: I would wonder what the question behind the question is. Who do they have in mind who'd never heard the gospel before? Because I think to most of the people who are listening to our podcast and most people in our church, Pretty much everyone has heard the Gospel in one way or another, so are we thinking about unreached people in some remote parts of the world, or are we thinking about friends and family who don't know any Christians at all, which I don't know, like I know it's getting harder, but I think it's pretty hard to find people like that, and so I would want to know what the question is behind that, and I think uh Romans chapter one and two kind of goes into that when he talks about people who might not have heard about Jesus directly or might have access to the Bible, but we can actually see God in his creation. Um, And so that's the difference between, I think, general and special revelation there. And so I think I would say that you know we know that God is a just God and we know that God is a loving God. We need to trust that he will judge based on what that person knows and has heard about. And he will be very fair on that.
2: I totally agree, Susan, that God's fairness and his justice, we need to really believe that he will judge according to what people have heard. To pick up Susan's point about not many people haven't heard the gospel, I think in our society it's becoming increasingly common that people have never really understood the true gospel. They've heard the person of Jesus, Mm. But their concept of who he was and what he came to do is really lacking, and so that's where we as we as Christians have this huge privilege of talking about the gospel and sharing the love of Christ with people, and also sharing the warnings that come with that um, and so rather than people reaching that last day and us saying, well, God will be just and fair, we have a chance now to make sure, to assure ourselves that people have heard and have responded rightly and we have this
0: confidence that they are in heaven and not going to hell. Mm -hmm. Heading into the topic of predestination, this idea that it's in the scriptures, that God chooses, he elects some people to know him, to be saved. When it comes to this idea of hell and judgment, how would it wrestle with that? kind of topic and question.
1: Mm.
2: I think sometimes we can read the Scripture in a very simplistic, almost like neat, grid-like way. And so we we leap to easy theological solutions rather than sitting with the messiness. And so for me, the, the truth of Scripture that God does not desire the death of anybody and God wants all people to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth, those kind of verses... They actually underpin everything in terms of my idea of who God is and what God's heart and God's desire is. Now, of course, I'm not denying the doctrine of election, that when people come to faith in Christ, it's because God is the one who has chosen them and God has opened their eyes and that reveals his heart they want to be saved. But that doesn't mean we do a nice, neat, easy thing to say, well, I now know everybody who hasn't been chosen. Because we just don't know. Mm. God doesn't stick dots or stars on our forehead saying <laughs> this, this is a chosen one and that's not a chosen one. I mean, you don't know whether I'm chosen. Well, I go by the fruit of your life and right. and the confession of your heart. And mm. and so rather than getting bogged down with people who have been predestined to hell, it's more like you know, my, the heart of my God, he longs for all people to be saved. Mm. And so as I live my life, I want to commend Christ and communicate the gospel clearly to ensure that all these people are saved.
0: So as we think about living now, in light of the fact that the final judgment is coming, has it changed the way we live? Paul, you touched on this a little bit before, this urgency of telling people, of sharing the love of God. Do you want to reflect a bit more on that for us? Yeah, it's both telling and living. Mm. And often we hear
2: sermons on hell, and we think that we have to just ram the gospel down people's throats. And it's true that we must take every opportunity to talk about Jesus and to communicate the extraordinary love of God on the cross. But in the scripture, it also also talks about living in such good ways that people see your Christian life and ask the questions. Mm. And so I want to make sure that as we live in light of, of the reality of hell, Prompts us to to more godly living, more holy living. And so people don't just see a a gospel tract or a gospel outline, but they see gospel-soaked, gospel-transformed
0: lives that commends the gospel to them. So which do we do? Do we warn people about hell? Or do we tell people about the love of God? Is that is that a choice we have to make?
1: I mean, certainly I know, knowing my personality, the tempting thing to do is tell them about the love of Jesus and not tell them about the reality of hell, but I think we've just talked about that both of these things are true of God, and both of these things were very much on jesus lips. You know he told about the love of God whilst also telling people about the reality of hell that it was coming. Now, I know why people struggle with this, you know for every good story of someone who's been told about the love of Jesus, we hear horror stories of people just really emphasizing the hell aspect and really turning people, hardening people's hearts against it. And stories of people just being used scare tactics um, instead of being told about the love of Jesus. So I think the tempting thing would be to tell them about just the love of Jesus. But I think the most loving thing we can do for a person is not to give them just half of the gospel, but give them all of the gospel.
2: I think a simple answer is both and. We need to talk about hell, but also about the love of Jesus. And I think of Paul who said he became all things to all people so he could commend Christ. And so you need to know who you're talking to, to decide, should you emphasize the love of Jesus or the reality of, of hell? I mean, Jesus did that as he walked on earth. So for those arrogant religious people, he needed to rebuke them and give them the warnings. Uh, But for those people like the Samaritan woman, who was very needy and insecure and and felt worthless, she didn't need to hear about hell, she needed to hear about the love of her saviour. It's like when you read the whole scriptures, you know, there's different books of the Bible written for different people. So the book of Hebrews is written to arrogant Christians who think they are somebody's, warning them about the dangers of falling away. The book of Romans is written to insecure Christians who are lacking assurance, and so he emphasizes there's no condemnation and the love of Christ. So you need to know who you're talking to as to whether you focus on the love of Jesus or the reality of
0: hell. Otherwise, you do great damage.
1: Mm.
0: And it is a false dichotomy, isn't it? Because Mm. the more you understand hell, the more you appreciate God's love. Mm. Because it's not just a... A wishy washy love, as you said before, or just a cheap love. It's a love that cost him dearly. He gave up his precious son for us who experienced hell so that we didn't have to. Mm.
2: But I do wonder in our culture today, when you say to most people, come to Jesus and he will satisfy and he really loves you, that doesn't connect with them Mm. because they are feeling loved by everything around them and securities around them. Uh, Whereas If you warned people today of the reality of hell, that might actually cause more of a reaction in Sydney today and make them look at the gospel more.
3: Mm.
1: And it was really interesting. Like, you know, I had someone tell me that they visited another church at Easter on Good Friday and they found the whole thing really odd. And it was really celebratory and really affirming, but it was Good Friday. And she and I were talking about it afterwards. And I said, Did they talk about sin once? And she said, no, they didn't talk about sin. And so because this was a church that didn't talk about sin, there was no talk of judgment, there was no talk of hell. And so therefore on Good Friday, Jesus dying for us on the cross didn't have any meaning. Mm. And so that Good Friday at that church felt really empty and hollow and they didn't really even know what they were celebrating at Easter, which is really sad. Easter should be one of the greatest days of our whole year.
0: Well, John 3.16, it's a very famous verse that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the message we proclaim, the love of God, that if we believe in him, we need not perish, we need not fear judgment. It's that confidence we have mm. as believers. And so uh, one of the things we've been trying to do throughout these bonus episodes is, is live out the fact that all theology should lead us to worship and praise and honor God, and even a topic like hell, as weighty as it is, we reflect on the love of God and how God has provided a way through His Son to rescue us from hell. I've pleaded with Curtis to come and play us a song. He reluctantly has said yes, and he's here, and he's walking across now. He's going to lead us in a song reflecting on John 3.16.
3: So oh.
0: That's the end of this bonus episode. Reminder, if you've got any more questions you want to send in, send them through to thebridgechurch.org.au forward slash questions. We've got a few more bonus episodes coming and we'll do our very best to answer them. See you next time. Bye. See ya.